Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I didn't really notice it when I was younger. Right now, beautiful on KSL Plus. It's unreal where we can do that. After decades of darkness. This is a long time coming. The lights are finally on in one of the last places in the country to receive electricity. We like it. We can see what we're doing. So in Utah County, uh-huh. I'm Matt Rascone, and this week we travel to the small Diné or Navajo community of Westwater. I used to live in Lemington, Utah. That's where I was raised. In where? Lemington, Utah. Where, where's that at? I'm not, I'm not from Utah originally. Oh, you know where Delta, Utah is? Yes. It's about 30 miles away from there. Okay. okay. Bessie Begay was born in Westwater. She and her siblings were taken away from her parents when she was six because she says they were alcoholics. But when she grew up, she returned. My asked me to come back. My dad did anyway. But it was nice to come back. I just sit here. It's all, you know, having lights up there. My foster parents would come home when there's no light. I would sit out here and just look. It was pretty, you know, in the evening time, it's really pretty here. You can see lots of things. Yeah. Yeah, we used to, me and my sisters, we used to count how many airplanes went over our heads (laughs) and stuff like that. (laughs) It was uh, always sort of like uh, dark. Thomas Chi is the um, president of the Westwater community. Not easy. Like others, he also left, spent some time working in the city, but couldn't stay away for too long. When I came back to my community, I noticed that there was a need and I had to act. In the outcome, we always try to move forward and try to overcome certain things. And, uh, That's how life was for Westwater. A neighborhood of dirt roads and 29 lots. A creek bed and some brush separate the community from Blanding City to the east. But for so long, so much more has set it apart from other communities and cities in Utah. Westwater sits on tribal land. And since the beginning of its existence, the people who live there have not had access to running water or electricity. We just storage our stuff here. This is what it looks like. In the winter, summertime, it's cool. It's really cool. You can go and 
have the door open, it's cool. In the wintertime, it keeps it warm in here. Not for lack of trying, but the governor's office described it as a uniquely difficult political and logistical challenge. It required the cooperation of city, county, state, and tribal governments and the Utah-associated municipal power systems. Can hear? Okay. Are we good in the back? Can you hear? Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson was instrumental in pushing the project forward. It's just been a little more than a year ago that I visited Westwater for the first time. At the time, I had only recently heard about this community and the extraordinary efforts that had been made over many years to bring the residents much-needed power and water. During that visit, one of the Westwater residents told us she didn't believe that she would ever get power or water. Politicians had been promising her this for years, she said. They would hold meetings and talk and talk, but nothing ever happened. It didn't take me long to realize why that was. Westwater has some unique jurisdictional and funding challenges that no single entity could possibly overcome alone. By the time I heard about Westwater last year, though, the question of how to deliver power had already been figured out because of the collaborative efforts of the Navajo Nation, NTUA, Blanding City, the State of Utah, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But the challenges of how to deliver running water, well, that remained. Two weeks ago, I was in Blanding for state business when I saw the power lines over here in Westwater. And they brought tears to my eyes. Simply by chance, I was here on the day that the community was electrified. It was beautiful to see those long-awaited porch lights shining in Westwater that night. The Navajo Nation helped fund the project with the help of the state of Utah and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Each donated half a million dollars to the cause. What a wonderful experience that is. So thank you to all of you for letting us uh, participate in this special moment in your life. Elder Dieter Uchtdorf is an apostle in the church and one of many church, state, and local leaders to gather with Blanding and Westwater residents to celebrate the milestone. It is actually symbolic for the church activity because we focus on the one first. That's what the Savior did. And here you have Blanding, a wonderful community, but just across a little, uh, little canyon there, so to speak, there's another little community which is lacking what we need in this place. And so like, you know, the good Samaritan went out and went for the one, here is an opportunity to do something without great fanfare, without, I hope, too much uh, media effect, but focusing on the ones who are affected by getting electricity and water to this community. The project ties Westwater to Blanding's power grid, which the state says will work as a pass-through for electricity that the Navajo Tribal Utility Authority owns. What has it been like, and how are you feeling about these these groups coming together to help turn the lights on? Oh, I, I love them. <laughs> I love them. I appreciate all their help that to bring the light and the water's coming. So I just can't wait to see the water come in. It was, it's nice. I really appreciate the people that have been helping us get this done. Yeah. And how, how has it changed life for you and your family? I guess 
for my for my grandson, at least he can do his lessons without the little lights. He can see better. And we just take it. We like it. We can see what we're doing. Yeah. It's nice. Big change. Yeah. Like for me, I'm 83. Albert Cly has spent most of the last 74 years living here. Then we have to use a propane, propane lanterns, you know, at night. He remembers what it was like growing up, and he recognizes the impact the lights bring. But now it's really convenient. Turn the switch and lights up everything. No more worrying about the noise and fuel that come with generators. It's exciting, and I'm excited for all my community to, to just flip on a switch or turn on the faucet. And it seems like we have, um, we have, we're more efficient now. The work to bring basic utilities to this Diné community is still far from over. So how do you get water right now? Uh, we haul it. And we put it down in here. And then we have a pump that pumps it into the house. Remaining funds from the electricity project will now go to the water project, a plan that involves building a deep water well to run water to their faucets. When we all come together, good things happen. And I'm grateful for all the great leaders that have come together to make this great day happen. That does it for us this week on KSL Plus. I'm Matt Rascone. We'll see you again next week.